Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, as always. And tonight, a big recruiting edition of the podcast for you guys. We take a look back at the weekend that was for the Tar Heel Targets. Uh, two guys that committed over this past weekend, Caden Helms and Dalen Everett committing elsewhere. We'll talk about that. The fallout from the Dalen Everett situation as well has to be addressed. And and then we shift to a much more positive topic in the commitment that the Toriels received today from 2022 four-star running back Amari in Hampton. We'll break that commitment down, what he means to this Tar Heel class, and then we'll also take a look forward at a commitment that's going to happen this upcoming Wednesday when four-star linebacker Sebastian Cheeks is set to make his commitment. So uh, joining me tonight, as uh, he always does for the recruiting additions of the podcast is Zach Hubbard. And Zach, uh, how you doing tonight, man? Doing well, doing well. Definitely a lot to discuss. A lot of news over the past few days, both uh, good, bad, and in the middle. So definitely um, excited to be here, discuss everything, and look to see where the 2022 class is at. Yeah, I, I was told that the month of June was supposed to be the crazy month for recruiting. I think they lied to me because this past week has just been unbelievably nuts and it didn't start out as you mentioned there there's some good some bad and some ugly and it didn't start out great for the Tar Heels this past weekend uh not uh, you know overly unexpected uh, especially you know Caden Helms that was one that I think most people believed that the Tar Heels weren't going to get they had made a push but Oklahoma had been in the lead for him for a long time and it looked like they had kind of taken you know a, a, a stranglehold on that recruitment even as they came through the month of July leading up to the commitment but the one that I think shocked everybody and it really wasn't the fact of where he went it was more of the fact of what happened afterwards was the Dalen Everett 
corporate commitment to Clemson. Of course, uh, you know, he went on CBS Sports HQ to announce his commitment five o'clock on Saturday. Um, you know, heading in, there was there was a vibe that Clemson had really made up a, a lot of ground and it maybe even taken over as the leader. I actually predicted Clemson uh, to land his commitment. There were a lot of people uh, in the recruiting community, a lot of recruiting experts that had done the same throughout the week before his commitment. And, um, you know, he ends up committing there. But I think the shocking part was the fact that he does the fake out of, you know, picking up the Tar Heel hat almost putting it on, uh, but then it kind of put a little oomph behind the throw of the hat to the side before he put on the Clemson hat. And, you know, look, I think it, it, a lot of people got offended by the throw. I don't think the throw itself is something that you should probably be overly offended by uh, just because we've seen that so often. That That's that's a stunt that's been pulled so many times that it's honestly uh, it, it's honestly laughable that some of the guys still do it because it's – you don't really until that hat is actually firmly on the head of the recruit and pretty much until they start the interview if it's one of the ones that they're doing on camera you don't really believe that they're going to that school until that happens knowing what we've seen in the past but uh you know i think the thing that really shocked everybody was the fallout after the situation all the rumors that we've heard coming out of it you know zach what do you make of that entire situation and 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 where do you stand on the hat toss from from Dalen Everett. Yeah, sort of along the same lines that you mentioned, the actual action in and of itself doesn't really bother me that much. This is something that we've seen before. It's not really a huge deal. I, I personally don't think with any recruit, it's something that is in most situations meant to be taken that seriously. It's just sort of a tongue-in-cheek reference to the competition of the recruiting game. But as you mentioned, you know, this was a pretty emphatic toss there and you know along those lines there have been uh continuous talks of sort of what happened behind the scenes with both north carolina and clemson leading up to this announcement yeah and i think that's the main thing is that uh once you started learning some of the reported details of what was going on and uh, this is just you know multiple sources really that um you know have some sort of ties to the family or have some sort of ties to dalen everett himself uh you started kind of piecing a picture together and and maybe try you know figuring out what may be going on behind the scenes but i think at this point we're just not gonna ever officially know what happened you know there were some rumors that he was told that he wasn't going to play at carolina he wasn't going to start over tony grimes um which i mean i don't really understand first of all cornerback is you do realize there are two guys that play cornerback on the field at a time right like that that statement just doesn't make a lot of sense from that standpoint anyways uh, the other thing is is that tony grimes is a guy that it was a five-star prospect dalen everett's a high-end four-star prospect as well both guys extremely talented coming out of high school um, but tony grimes had an amazing freshman season at carolina it was he was a guy that reclassified as well he was supposed to be a senior in high school and he looks like he's going to be that once in a generation type corner that Carolina, you know, doesn't really have all too often. I don't see a situation where he's going to come off the field, but I found it a, a little hard to believe that any school in general 
but especially a guy that we've heard talk about so much wanting to have that competition no matter what, having to fight for your spot on the field every single week of the year in Mac Brown. I, I just I, I don't know about you, Zach. I find it hard to believe that he was told by the Tar Heel staff that he wasn't going to be able to come in and compete for some sort of role as a freshman. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like, like you mentioned, um, we really will never know truly what happened in terms of this recruitment from either side uh, of the table. I mean, it could be a situation in which one school promised him, you know, early playing time and the other side you're going to have to compete. It could be a situation, as was rumored, where, you know, a staff told him you're more likely than not going to have to come in the wait because there are these guys in front of you. As you mentioned, I don't think there's any scenario in which a coach is going to say that you are not going to have the opportunity to come in and compete. That's just nonsensical. That's really against sort of how coaches operate uh, in, in terms of you know how they recruit a, but it's the team culture that they're trying to develop, and especially when you look at a team like North Carolina, who has recruited well in past years. That's open to playing younger talent if they're ready to go and ready to play and is looking to win right now that that certainly doesn't fit with that mindset you know that a lot of people look at and see with this north carolina program um i think a third option in there is uh, it, it could be a situation not to say that it is not to say this is necessarily negative or bad with uh specifically but it could be a situation in which he was open to sitting and waiting in one school and he was not at the other. Maybe he might value the you know the stage of or the prestige of one school over the other. So you know was willing to make more concessions there. Not saying that is the case. I don't know. That's just you know speculations of a possibility. But there's all sorts of different options there. And you know we're hearing about this information secondhand, thirdhand. Uh, overall, just to, you know to summarize how Carolina fans should react. I think that you should react to this recruitment at the face value of a recruit chose Clemson over North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's you know that's not the preferred outcome here for Carolina fans, absolutely. But I, I don't think that there should be this increased emphasis on you know narratives and things along those lines because I mean Carolina fans myself included, we need to move forward with the other recruitments. There are other recruitments here within the twenty twenty two class with great prospects, as we'll mention later on, got a great one today from inside the state of North Carolina. And we all know, or I should say Cardio fans know what this program is building, the teams that they are building. They know the trajectory that this program is on. That's an upward trajectory towards the ACC championship, towards more high-end bowl games, and potentially, you know, an expanded playoff in the future. So, I, I think it's just important to keep all this in perspective and really not get sidetracked by the narratives that we'll never have a solid answer on. I, I think you're right. I, I think it's something that uh, if you're going to try to dig deeper on this, I just don't feel like unless you are in some way 
you know, attached to, you know, some people that are close to the family. Um, and you would also have to get the side of the story from the Tar Heel staff, Dre Bly, you know, his lead recruiter, uh, Mac Brown, and, and all those guys. You're never going to get the full story of exactly what happened. Now, I did find it interesting that at ACC Media Days yesterday, Mac Brown was quoted at, at one point as saying that he uh, is excited by the fact that teams are or, quote, cutting them on the recruiting trail. I'm assuming that is probably in reference to some negative recruiting, which is something that we have heard a a bit when it came to this commitment. But I think, look, this is just part of it. I know people are saying, well, you know, negative recruiting. Why should Clemson have to negative recruit? This, This is what recruiting is. There are always going to be negatives that people are going to point out about other schools. The Toriel staff does it for sure. It's just part Part of it, and I, I mean, I don't think it's something that Toriel fans should be afraid of. I think it's something that you should kind of take as a compliment. If a school is having to negatively recruit against you, clearly you're doing something well enough to where they feel like, look, we got to try to prey on their weaknesses because this guy is strongly considering this team enough. These big time prospects are strongly considering this program and this staff enough to where we feel like this is something that we've got to go to to have an advantage in this recruitment. That's kind of what I think you should take away from this. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of the cornerback effect uh, for this class, I, I don't really think there's a big one here. Remember that the Tar Heels do not have a single senior on the roster uh, this year at the cornerback position. And even if they did, they would have guys that would have the option to come back. They don't have a guy that's a senior on the roster this year. Now, there is a possibility that if, you know, let's say Storm Duck has a big season, he could leave. If Kyler McMichael's that guy that starts out there and he has a big season, he could leave for the NFL. But more than likely, this cornerback room is still going to be loaded next year. You're bringing in Teon Holloway, who I feel like a lot of people have just kind of forgotten about a little bit because his recruitment was so long ago. Uh, it was one that was during, you know, around Christmas time. So I feel like a lot of people just kind of forgot about that one. Um, but he's an extremely talented corner that fits this system well. And then we we just talked a couple weeks ago about the commitment of Marcus Allen. He's another guy that if you turn on his film, he looks like he's going to thrive as a corner on the outside in a man coverage system. So I think Carolina is still in really good shape. I don't know if they end up adding another corner in this class. I think you know Jaden Lucas right now looks like he's pretty – pretty um, closely tied to Clemson at this time. Some people believe he's a silent commit, so I think that's something that uh, you know you can still monitor, but I wouldn't put too much hope into. And the other thing is is that, that that's another one of those spots where uh, you know Carolina is going to have enough depth this year and going you know to, to be able to you know carry over into next year. If you need to end up landing you know an extra guy next year, if you need to go into the transfer portal, that's another aspect that I think people are forgetting about if they're that thin a corner. You can always do that and probably find uh, some success. So we move on. As you mentioned, Carolina landed a big in-state prospect today. This is this is an important one for Carolina. This was one that you really, I, I think if this one would have gone in a different direction, then there would have been a little bit of concern. 
but uh, there was some uneasiness at, at a time during the month of June, and that was all wiped away towards the end of the month when Carolina hosted him for a, an official visit, and then he made his announcement today that, of course, is running back, a four-star running back out of the state of North Carolina, plays at Cleveland High School in Clayton, North Carolina, Amarian Hampton committed to the Tar Heels uh, over Penn State and Florida, who were the other two teams in his final three, did so via CBS Sports HQ uh, around 2 o'clock earlier today on the day of recording. Uh, number 12 running back in the class, uh, number four player in the state of North Carolina, and this is the guy now, along with Tayon Holloway, those are the two guys that now headline this class. So this was a big one to land uh, for the Tar Heels, and also one thing that's really interesting to note here, people probably forgot about this just a little bit in terms of the storylines around this commitment. This is also the first commitment for Larry Porter since his return to Carolina. Zach, what do you make of the Tar Heels landing this extremely talented in-state running back? Yeah, um, I I think as we've discussed in the past, uh, North Carolina was looking to add one to two running backs in this class. They do have quite a few options on the roster right now. They do have, um, you would say, six scholarship running backs, including recent uh, graduate transfer Chai Chan was from Tennessee. But as we saw last year with the tandem of Javante Williams and Michael Carter, uh, in this offense, in the Phil Longo offense, you can have a very, very effective running game. Um, and that's been a sort of a staple of the Phil Longo offense, even though it is known for you know these big passing numbers, these air raid concepts. It's more often than not paired with uh, power run concepts as well, uh, which sort of complement each other with these passing games, sort of loosening up that defense to allow these running backs to find open holes, to find space, and then really to grind down a defense later in the game, like we saw this past year. But this is a guy that North Carolina has been on for a while. Um, for a good while, they had sort of that quartet of running back prospects, as we've discussed. George Petway still on the board. Amarias Hampton, here who committed today. Uh, Michael Allen, who committed to NC State. And, and then Damari Austin, that has since eliminated the Tar Deals. And they're kind of looking to see, you know, who are what's the best tandem here what's the best one to two that we can get and they got their first one here from hampton Uh, as we've discussed in the past um has been on campus multiple times specifically in june Uh, i believe he was almost you know on campus four to six oh zach dropped there just really quickly but yeah he was saying about uh four to five times uh during the month there um but uh yeah he's definitely been a frequent visitor one that uh carolina uh definitely valued in this class we try to get zach hubbard back on i believe his connection uh is not great there but yeah he was a frequent visitor to campus it was one of those situations where you know when you looked at amari Hampton, i think that was one of the big reasons why carolina was so focused on landing his commitment was because he was there so often that you really Your just didn't know uh exactly uh what you would 
what, where he would go if, if he didn't land him, being that he had been on campus so many times. Uh, George Petway is not that guy. Um, he's been there a few times for sure, but when you look at you know some of his other visits that he's taken, uh, it's been a little bit of a different scenario. So we got Zach Hubbard back with us here. Uh, it, would, it wouldn't be one of these editions of the podcast here recently without something technologically going wrong, Zach. But uh, what were you saying there about uh, about Hampton and his visits on campus? Oh yes, I was saying he's been on campus uh, roughly four to six times within the past month really more than any recruit, uh, at least publicly, that we were able to see. So obviously North Carolina felt like it had good position, especially with him being a local guy. But we did see, obviously, he took some official visits out of state, did get some momentum from some other schools, specifically Penn State, uh, within the last few weeks felt good. But North Carolina was able to get him back on an official visit in that final week of June. And then over the past few weeks, we saw Penn State fill up with some additional options at the running back position. Uh, Penn State got two running back commits and Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen over the past few weeks. Their spots have filled up. Uh, some of the other options on the list, such as Florida, are recruiting other guys more heavily. So, you know, we sort of saw these dominoes falling into effect for North Carolina and Hampton to pair up. In terms of his running style, uh, and if you're going to fit within the sort of the framework of that tandem of Javante Williams and Michael Carter that we mentioned, um, I think he sort of fits more into that Javante Williams role. He's more of a powerful runner, still has that speed, but is more of a a guy that's patient, will work in between the tackles, and then, you know, really get physical with defenders and uh, make them pay for trying to tackle him. He's a guy that fits perfectly into that role of, you know, your fourth quarter closer that, you know, gets multiple carries one after the other and just wears down a defense. Uh, But like I mentioned, also has that speed and probably would be a pretty good component in the open space as a pass catcher. So, you know, another good good running back here to this running back stable that we've seen uh, a guy that the staff really liked i think both you and i had him within uh the top two in sort of that running back quartet that we've mm-hmm. mentioned in the past but i'd love to hear your thoughts on it. yeah look I, I think you know there was when we went through and talked about you know the prospects that we wanted the most in this class even when we went through and talked about the running backs when we ranked the four running backs this was the guy that I wanted the most from a Tar Heel perspective. I think he fits this offense about as well as any of the other guys in this class. I definitely think that Petaway is probably the better receiver of the group, probably the better guy. You know, he's got a little bit more of that skill set. But this, you know, Hampton, although we didn't do a lot of it this past year, can catch the ball out of the backfield. And I think, you know, overall, he's the most complete of the group because, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, he's definitely, he runs with a physical edge. He's a guy that can, you know, sort of get to the edge and, and do some things with, with the speed out there. It's it's not, you know, it's clearly not the fastest guy in the class, but it's there. The other thing is he's, he's a really good pass protector as well. That was one of the things that really stood out to me when I watched him uh, during the season when I did the scouting report on him. And then when I watched his highlight tape, a little bit is that this guy he he 
is that's a key aspect that I think a lot of people forget about, especially with the fact that there are some air raid concepts to what Carolina does. There are some games where Carolina is going to throw the ball a lot more than they run it. There's other games where they're going to run it a lot more than they throw it. So to have a guy as versatile as him is huge. But yeah, when you look at his running style, I'm with you. And I I said that from the minute that I watched his game earlier this year, uh, he reminds me a lot of Javante Williams. I think he's probably got a little bit better speed than Javante did coming out of high school even. Uh, But yeah, he is definitely uh, a guy that I I think is, I mean, he's as complete as it gets in this class. He's going to be able to run through some defenders. um, And part of that is because just like Javante Williams, he played on the defensive side of the ball this past year. So uh, he, I mean, he's, he's, a legitimate prospect. There was, this was one that Carolina really, really wanted. Uh, he's an in-state guy as well. So I feel like, you know, this isn't nearly as talented of a class as the previous one in state, but it's still a, a class where y- you want to be able to get the heavy hitters from the state of North Carolina. And it looks like the Tar Heels are doing that. And this is, you know, a, a big and in, in going in that direction of, of landing a guy of this caliber. You know, I think the one thing that's interesting, they were, you know, some people that that I saw on social media today after his commitment were kind of talking about it is, you know, there are a lot of talented guys back here. Where do some of these guys kind of stack up? And I I think in terms of talent, Hampton's got to be right near the top when it comes to the the, this running back group over the next few seasons. He's going to be right in that category. And I think, you know, with the fact that he compares well to Javante Williams, Carolina is going to be looking to have that tandem similar to Michael Carter and Javante Williams uh, for the rest of the time that Mac Brown and Phil Longo are there in Chapel Hill, and rightfully so. It's a great recipe to go off of. You're going to want that physical back that can run in between the tackles, uh, that can make guys pay in in the middle of the defense. Uh, even you know if your offensive line isn't great, they can fight for those tough yards. And then you're going to want that guy that can get to the edge and show off his speed a little bit and cause some issues uh, on the outside. And I think that Hampton fits that role, and I don't know coming into this season, and there might there's probably going to be somebody that emerges there, but that's the one aspect of the running game that I think is lacking a bit this year. Ty Chandler brings you some of that from playing in the SEC, but I definitely think he's a guy that thrives more on the edges. He's leaving at the end of the season anyways, and then a lot of the other backs on the roster are really guys that are going to be looking to get to the edge and and show off in space. So uh, this is big for Carolina to get uh, a guy of of this caliber. So uh, at this point, I think the big question that a lot of people have, and I've seen some, some opinions one way or another on this, um, I, I think it's it's pretty obvious that right now Carolina wants a second running back in this class. I know that they've got pretty good depth back there. Chandler's the only guy that we know for sure is going to be gone. British Brooks is also a senior, but he's a walk-on. Um, what do you think about – or he's on scholarship, actually, now that I remember. That's right. He's a former walk-on that's on scholarship uh, as of right now. But um, what do you think about – Carolina in terms of landing another running back in this class. Do you think that this is going to be a two running back class for the Tar Heels or do you think that with Hampton in place and how small of a class this could potentially be, uh, this may be it? 
Yeah, I feel like with this running back class, uh, I, I think that they wanted to have at least one, and I think that they would be okay with one. I think if they went through, let's say, the fall, and you know the guys that we mentioned as, as still being sort of on the radar are committed elsewhere, I don't know if they're going to be throwing out a whole bunch of offers just to get a body in there. Mm-hmm. I think they're good if it's just one. But I think when you really look at um, you know the guys that they have remaining on the board, which for the most part, is really just George Petway. I mean, maybe they get back in with Mari Alston. Maybe they kick the tires on Michael Allen if it comes to that. But I feel the main focus moving forward will be George Petway. And personally, I feel like he falls into the category of too talented to push away. I agree. And there, there's a lot of guys, you know, still left that fit into that category. But, yeah, exactly. I, just, a, a guy that really complements what Hampton can do uh, sort of in building, you know, that, that – that next elite running back tandem at North Carolina, I feel that uh, somewhat in similarity to Hampton, you're seeing a lot of the guys on his list sort of fill up. Um, mm-hmm. Penn State was on his list. They're, they're obviously full at this point. Florida is another school that looks to be focusing elsewhere. Uh, Michigan and him didn't really connect um, as much as they might have thought so North Carolina has been a pretty solid presence in there uh, I've heard a little bit about UVA um, and those you know other local schools such as you know UVA and Virginia Tech trying to make a move back in there um, and then a- another one that is really more of a hunch than anything but another one that's on his list I believe he did visit out there this summer would be Oregon on the west coast they recruit the east coast pretty well uh, for being so far away, they they mm. aren't the national recruiters of you know your Ohio State or your Alabamas, anywhere like that. But they do recruit the East Coast fairly well. I think that Petaway did make a visit out there, and they're recruiting well right now. They just got a five-star offensive tackle out of the state of Texas, so you know they've got a little bit of mojo themselves. I don't have any intel that suggests you know how high they are or them being the leader when you just look at how this list is shortening down and you look at the juice that Oregon has on the national stage I feel like they could be a team to watch with all of that said as we've discussed multiple times for those that have kept up with Petaway's recruitment in particular know how consistent North Carolina has been uh, and know how much effort and time and these relationships that they've poured into Petaway to sort of you know try to get his commitment moving forward now, does the commitment of Hampton affect his you know, interest in North Carolina positively or negatively? Is he looking to share carries in the backfield for some guys that is seen as a positive because it's less miles on your body at the college level, gives you a little bit more for the NFL, uh, but some guys want to be the guy. They want to be you know, the star of the offense. They want to have the bulk of the carries. Um, I, I think that'll be something to see moving forward and see you know, if that has an impact. In terms of where I stand at this point, I do feel that North Carolina is in the best spot. I, I don't really know sort of what the timeline is for this commitment at this point. Um, George has only taken two official visits so far, so he will have quite a few there for the fall most likely including North Carolina in that. But, you know, it's really hard to say right now. If I had to guess as of today off off the top of my head, I'd be optimistic. I'd go with North Carolina. Take Petaway and Hampton at the running back position in this class, sort of leaning on, 
you know, that is that image of the running back tandem that we saw last year. But that seems to be a pretty early prediction at this point. Uh, I think you're 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 pretty spot on with that. Um, I I think that in terms of the concern about not being the guy, not handling the bulk of the carries. I'm, I I wouldn't be overly concerned with that if I was you know a, a Tar Heel fan you know thinking through that 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 possible recruitment because with what we saw a year ago from Michael Carter and Javante Williams it showed that you can still get your yards and touchdowns uh, and and honestly I mean we talked about this a little bit during the season me and Josh when we were talking about this team and the success that they were having running the football uh, it almost helped both of those guys it kept those guys a little bit more fresh and it allowed them to take advantage of the opportunities when they were presented to themselves. They made the most of those reps that they had because they were fresh the majority of the time that they were on the field as opposed to being worn down and especially in late game situations when your team needs you to step up but you've carried the ball 25, 30 times in in the game and you're pretty well spent. So, I mean, look, some some guys may want that, um, but I think that the offense's success a year ago and the running back success a year ago really speaks volumes, and, and I think Petaway knows that, and that's part of the reason why he has Carolina as one of the teams that are, are you know amongst his favorites right now. Um, I think your point about Oregon is 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 pretty pretty spot on. Um, you know, that's a team that's on his list, and as you've mentioned, they've done a really good job of recruiting uh, You know, not only on the East Coast, but like you mentioned, nationally, they've done a fantastic job. They've been doing it for years as well. There's a reason why they're more than likely going to have uh, one of the top prospects off the board if it's not a if it's not a quarterback uh Kevon Thibodeau is going to be the first player off the board next year uh in the NFL draft barring something shocking um but they're definitely a national brand um but yeah I I think you're right this is another one of those recruitments where you know it's kind of hard to feel you know, to get a feel of exactly who is in this and who is the biggest challenger to Carolina um I think that's where it's a little bit different than Dalen Everett's. Dalen Everett's was similar with not knowing exactly who was in the thick of it for a while, but uh, you didn't have that clear leader where it looks like Carolina is that clear leader for Petaway. Um, I think he definitely fits into that category of way too talented not to take. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind. I would be pretty shocked if Carolina gets back into the Alston or uh, Michael Allen uh, debate or uh, recruitments, um, you never really know, I guess. But I'm going to be honest. I I think at this point, both of those ships have probably sailed, and I think that Carolina is is okay with that. They look at it as maybe more room for you know people at a different position or something like that that they can add. I would be shocked even if they do end up missing on Petaway if they go back to one of those and one of those two guys. I think they would just kind of stick with what they've got and roll with the one commitment. But um, definitely a guy that we've got to monitor here uh, going forward over the next couple of months because that that's one that doesn't feel like it's coming to an end anytime soon. It feels like there's still some work to be done there. He is going to probably take that uh, into his 
uh, senior season uh, in at his high school in the state of Virginia. Meanwhile, a guy that is going to announce his commitment uh, before then, he is actually going to announce this upcoming Wednesday. It is Sebastian Cheeks. He announced that uh, just a couple of days ago that he is going to announce his commitment next Wednesday at 4 o'clock uh, Central Time, so 5 o'clock uh, Eastern Time. And Carolina, you know, they they were the team that, uh, you know, kind of jumped onto the scene late for him. Texas was there uh, as well. They were in there just a little bit before North Carolina. Uh, and those were the two biggest challengers to Notre Dame, who eventually, uh, you know, sort of readjusted their focus in the class at linebacker, ended up filling up there, and that left the door open for Carolina and Texas to take advantage. And uh, Carolina looks going in. Uh, like they may be the favorite here. He has picked up three crystal balls uh, over the last couple of days uh, since he announced that he is going to make his commitment. All three of those in in the recent past here have been in favor of the Tar Heels. So when you uh, think about this recruitment and, and this upcoming commitment, Zach, what do you think about the Tar Heels' chances of landing Sebastian Cheeks? And, and, and ultimately, where do you think he fits in if he ends up committing uh, to this class? Yeah, I think in terms of uh, Sebastian Sheets, I think what you got to look at first is that this is a you know a bit of an odd recruitment as far as North Carolina's general footprint goes from Evanston, Illinois. So not really within the typical range uh, geographically that we see North Carolina recruit in, uh, but they were able to you know offer him here in the spring and then get him in on an official visit uh, that first week in June. And I think that was really, really big for his recruitment. I think they won over mom in that recruitment, won over his family um, in having him you know, be farther away from home. And I think they really sort of built that connection. And you know, as we've discussed, one of the biggest, I think, selling points at North Carolina is the campus, is the culture, is the feeling that you get when you're there. That's one of the things um, that alumni, fans, you know, just Chapel Hill residents will tell you is one of the most special parts of Carolina. And it really sounds like uh, that connected with Cheeks. Uh, In terms of him as a player, uh, he would project more likely than not as an inside linebacker Mm -hmm. uh, type similar to Deuce Caldwell, I guess, in that uh, extent, you know, a guy that really plays well uh, sort of in between the tackles, very quick, moving from sideline to sideline. Uh, listed at 6'3 to 10, so he's got good length at the position. He can add some weight, more likely than not, in his freshman year, probably get into that 225, 230 range, and then, you know, be a guy that can really fly around the field uh, while maintaining that length to sort of go up against, in some situations, slot receivers, but more often than not, tight ends in the passing game. Um, really, really great prospect, as you see, you know, for those that are concerned with the numbers of recruiting, um, he is listed as a guy that's in the top 150, both in the composite and right at 154 uh, in the top 247. So, you know, a guy with um, pedigree, with national interest. In terms of his actual uh, recruitment, obviously, like you mentioned, Notre Dame was a factor there for a while, but they did sort of get additional players at the position. They filled up. Texas for a good while 
felt really good here and would be a little bit closer to Illinois as compared to North Carolina. They faded away as well. And with this, you know, date announced for his recruitment, the buzz has been around North Carolina. Now, I've heard a little bit, just a little bit, of buzz around Wisconsin being a factor, not that they lead necessarily, but they are a factor that he might have taken a visit to here recently, would be a factor in his uh, recruitment down the stretch. But all the projections as of today are focused on North Carolina. I think North Carolina really made the best impression uh, in terms of the official visits that he took in June. And I think with only a few days left, leading up to his announcement, I think that you have to feel good about where the targets stand. Yeah, I, I you're 100% right about that. Rivals, Futurecast, uh, they have five guys that have predicted uh, his commitment as well, all in favor of the Tar Heels. So, yeah, all, all the smoke seems to be around the Tar Heels. I've seen some of that, too, uh, with Wisconsin and Michigan getting a little bit of buzz with them being uh, a little bit closer to home. Uh, but it feels like Carolina is the team that took the took advantage the most of, uh, of being able to get him on campus they did it earlier in the month of June um, and and really showing him that, hey, you know, look, Notre Dame may have filled up, but we're a team that definitely has a spot for you. Uh, like you said, projects as an inside linebacker. Um, there's, there's some intriguing aspects to his game because I think he may be, uh, you know, arguably the more versatile. I mean, Deuce Caldwell is an extremely versatile guy in his own right, um, but there is some, you know, he did play a little bit of edge rusher this year uh, at his high school in, uh, in Evanston, Illinois, Evanston Township High School uh, out there. Uh, so he's got he's a guy that can kind of do it all as an inside linebacker. He can rush the passer. He can help you in the run game. Uh, he's, got, he's extremely fast, as you mentioned. can cover sideline to sideline, which is what you're kind of always looking for uh, in this Jay Bateman system, and especially with a guy at his size. If, if you're going to be you know that light at 210, you're, you're going to have to be able to fly around and make plays, uh, but also is is probably a much better guy in coverage uh, than, than you realize, especially for a guy that rushes off the edge. The game that I scouted him in earlier this year, he almost exclusively was an edge rusher. I go back, watch his highlight tape, all of a sudden I'm seeing a guy that can drop into coverage and, and looks really good doing it as well. So this is a, a guy that there's a reason why he's inside of the top 150 in the composite rankings. He's an extremely talented prospect. That's one of the areas where, look, Carolina's good, uh, but that's probably an area that they're still looking to continue to upgrade the talent at, especially depth-wise, to try to you know be able to rotate in and not have to see the drop-off uh, that they've probably seen in past years. That's that's a position right now where you know, Carolina's talked a lot about rotating guys in this upcoming season. That's the one position where we haven't really heard them talk a lot about rotating rotating guys in that there there's a thought that Carolina is going to pretty much stick with Jeremiah Gimmel and Eugene Asante for most of the season. You may eventually see a little bit of Ra Ra Dilworth and Power Eccles, but those guys are young. Carolina wants to get to the point at every position on this team where they can rotate guys in to keep guys fresh and, and have this competitive depth where if a guy goes down, the guy coming in for him is going to be just as good as he is on in terms of what he does and be able to you know still allow you to compete with some of these teams like Notre Dame who, you know, from 
some of the recent storylines that have come out of media days throughout all of college football could end up being a conference opponent over the ne- in some time in the next few years um, and competing with those teams like Clemson and those other teams that will be in the playoff hunt. That's where Carolina wants to get to, and landing a guy like Sebastian Cheeks I think would be just another step uh, towards that. And he would be another guy that would be a headliner in this class and probably one that for a long time uh, Carolina didn't really envision. And, and, you know, we'll also talk about it a little bit more or uh, if he ends up committing to Carolina, if they land him, this really extends that national footprint even more. Carolina has done a really good job of recruiting the state of North Carolina this past year, uh, the state of Virginia in this class, um, and you know even going down into Georgia, and and, and they, they've been recruiting well there. But to see them extend out, and especially go into an area in Evanston, Illinois, that is Big Ten country, and land this commitment, uh, this would be this this would be big for Carolina for sure. We'll have our prediction up for you on the website. Uh, we'll get you ready for that commitment, our commitment preview. We do those uh, for you guys. Give our official prediction. We'll have that up on the website for you uh, on Tuesday night ahead of his commitment. You guys will be able to check that out. Um, that, that'll be uh, one that I, I think a lot of people will be very excited to uh, to look over. Um, you know, still still a little bit of time here, still six days until that commitment. So things can change for sure. Definitely one that is worth monitoring, but one that Carolina fans right now should feel pretty confident in going in. But we'll get you ready for it. We'll also have a breakdown of his commitment if he commits to Carolina. As of right now, of course, we got the Amari and Hampton one up there for you. So make sure that you guys check that out over on the website at HeelToughBlog.com. Um, you know, some other recruiting stuff that we have up there uh, for you guys. We also, you know, talking about the Dalen Everett and Caden Helms situation, you can go back. There's an article where we tell you why you shouldn't really be overly worried in there. There is a paragraph about, uh, you know, the upcoming commitment from Amari and Hampton. That was written the other day so of course that has happened now but definitely uh, you know uh, one of those situations where it doesn't feel like it should be as concerning as maybe some Toriel fans were feeling over the weekend and we tell you why over on the website uh, heeltoughblog.com is the place you can check all that out as well as the preseason position previews uh, where we go in depth on every position on the roster Uh, check those out we're doing those on the podcast as well but we go a little more more in depth uh, on the article side of things. So check those out uh, over on the website. Also there, uh, we got the podcast up there, top of the page. You got the two tabs. You got the uh, the, the Heel Tough blog podcast tab right next to it, the Four Corners podcast tab. We've been doing some interesting stuff on the basketball side of things as well. Of course, been covering Carolina on the recruiting trail there. Jalen Washington uh, just a couple weeks ago committing to Carolina. Um, some other interesting things going on. On for the Tar Heels on the recruiting trail, uh, and uh, we're going to have you covered. Uh, Josh will mainly have you covered throughout the summer on that stuff. I'll be on the podcast uh, helping break down some of those uh, the, those other storylines and uh, some of the recruiting storylines as well. Um, and of course, we'll be getting you ready just as we are on the football side of things here not too long from now uh, for Carolina basketball season. It will start on November 9th. Josh has an article on the website that you can read about that uh, as well, and we're all 
also doing some fun things on the podcast side of things when it comes to Roy Williams' uh, career at Carolina. Some fun additions to the podcast that you guys definitely want to check out on that side of things for either one of those podcasts. Check it out uh, on any of the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, any of those major podcast uh, websites. You can check out both of those podcasts on, and we greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe if you're one of the listeners to the podcast if you're one of the watchers of the podcast we greatly appreciate the fact that you've been watching the podcast the live videos that we've been putting up best way to make sure you catch those and if you're a listener and you want to start going the video route as well we uh, we encourage you to go over to the Facebook page like it uh, and that will mean you follow it at the same time it'll put everything right on your timeline it'll give you notifications of when we're about to go live all that great type of stuff uh, and you guys uh, can check all of that out uh, on the Facebook page. We have, uh, as I mentioned, the articles, video podcasts, the regular podcasts are up there as well. We'll you know put some graphics up there from time to time when we do uh, certain editions of the podcast. So all that stuff uh, you get on the Facebook page. And then when uh, it comes to the other social media platforms, Twitter uh, is the main one that you guys should check out. At uh, Heel Tough Blog on Twitter for the main page for me at HTB Anthony on Twitter, Zach at HackZubber2 on Twitter, and Josh at HTB Josh on Twitter. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank uh, Zach for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Go Tar Heels.